Hello again. Hello. We are back after what was supposed to be a two-week-long spring break. We, uh, we're breaking our silence. We are breaking our silence. Sorry. And I'll turn the snark down. No, I love it. I love it. We're breaking our silence. We are back. And we are back to discuss a topic that we are so excited to be covering. Um, we've been mm-hmm. like talking about this as a topic, like basically since we started the podcast, but it has never been more relevant than now to finally do a deep this dive. Is- this has been a goal on the horizon, like since you podcast proposed to me. Yeah, and we we kind of had to get our, you know, get our big girl pants on and get ready to do this one. Yes, and I I must tell you, dear listener, that right before we pressed record, Carolyn said to me, "Let's get this over with. Let's get this <laughs> so. over with." Yeah, the buildup has been immense, um, but like I said, there has been no better time in history to talk about. Miss Brittany Dawn Davis Fitness Nelson. I'm not actually sure what name she goes by now, but Brittany Dawn. The real Miss Brittany the Dawn real Fitness. Brittany I think Dawn. it's Nelson. I think it is yes. Nelson now. Um, but yeah. So, um, dear listener, if you don't know who Brittany Dawn is, congratulations. Um, but please stick around because this is a whirlwind of a story. This is years and years of fitness influencer drama all coming to a head in the most, uh, incredible way possible that I don't think anyone ever anticipated, you know, a few years ago. No, I, no, I think that's fair to say this is really an an epic of dare I say biblical proportions dare I say unprecedented are we bringing that word back <laughs> oh please don't <laughs> that's enough um but yeah uh, so Laura do you want to get us started off with just a little kind of primer on Brittany Dawn and her current internet presence yeah. because it is significant well, while we're on the record here, Carolyn, did you or have you ever followed Brittany Dawn? Oh, yeah. I definitely did follow Brittany Dawn because I had aspirations of working in the fitness industry since she kind of hit the scene. You know, I I was in college studying nutrition when Instagram birthed into existence and um, – <laughs> And so I, of course, like followed all of the major names uh, over the Mm. years until I kind of developed my own um, actual like values and philosophy (laughs) around fitness. Um, Mm -hmm. But I hadn't interacted with her content in a long time until I unfollowed her in, I think, 2020 when I heard some news, which we'll get to. But yes, I Mm -hmm. did indeed follow Brittany Dawn. I had been, I don't know that I, I don't know that I ever followed her only because I don't really follow people on YouTube, but I had been a YouTube watcher Mm. in maybe 2017, 2018, Mm -hmm. it looked like when I went back into um, the, the annals of YouTube and saw that I had watched some of her videos already and I had known her from there. And I remember when she hit sort of more mainstream media recognition for reasons we will cover later on in this very <laughs> podcast. Um, I remember being like, 
oh, I didn't know people knew who that woman was. She's got a very distinctive look. She's always been very bright blonde and very tan. Mm -hmm. So she's pretty immediately recognizable, especially the way she edits her photos. Um, So I, you know. Britney Dawn I hadn't heard that name in years I know right Um, no that's the thing because like when I followed her it was like probably 2014 through 2016 on Instagram so when I like in the research for the scrolled back to her first Instagram post I was like hit in the face with that aesthetic that I was like when I start trying to like post on Instagram for real like like it was kind of a part of my um this is what it's supposed to look like when you're successful on Instagram I was like wow I was really holding that like look and like the donuts and the Nikes and the high contrast iPhone photography absolutely in the front of mind and I think before like before I posted on the internet in any meaningful way I think people that I engaged with like YouTube videos that I watched, I didn't really clock like how many subscribers a person had. Mm. Not that that's the first thing that I clock now, but I didn't really think about that. It felt like some sort of, you know, private message beamed straight into your brain. It didn't feel like, oh, the hundreds of thousands of views are a hundred thousand other people. Like people know about this person. It's not just someone who exists in your laptop. Like that, that's, you know, that viewership represents a pretty mainstream level of notability. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. That's so interesting. Well. So how we're going to start this epic tale of monstrous proportions is how Miss Brittany Dawn uh, exists on the internet right now um, in in her current state. Iteration. <laughs> I'm out of pro- uh, I'm out of practice from podcasting. I'm like flipping through my Rolodex for every word. I will hit our stride in like ten minutes, and I'll be. You got to break gap, open gap, a gabbing. thesaurus. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, let me say smart things. Um, so, Brittany Dawn is available on every internet platform that exists. Uh, she has, I wrote this down, look, numbers, citing things. Uh, she has 484,000 uh, Instagram followers. She has 460,000 YouTube followers. She has 60,000 Twitter followers. She She's tweets very every active day, on Twitter, sending yeah. out, very active on Twitter, sending out some Bible verses, some sort of preachy messages are preachy in the most literal sense of the word. Like um, she calls, she refers to it as her testimony or her ministry. Um, And then her biggest platform actually is TikTok, which I think is interesting because TikTok to me is incongruent with the height of Brittany Dawn, but she's doing really well over on TikTok. She's got 1.3 million followers. Um, So that's, that's where we are. I will say her, aesthetic still feels deeply familiar to what it looked like Mm -hmm. when Brittany Dawn was someone I was regularly checking up on. Um, You could almost say that Brittany Dawn was like the original that girl. Mm -hmm. Uh, Not necessarily in reference to the trend itself, but just she's always had a very consistent aesthetic she's always had a very consistent feed she has a color scheme she's she's always been uh, very curated yes that's exactly the word I was flipping through my Rolodex for she is very very 
curated. Her feed is like all black, white, and blue with the same filters. Uh, filters which she sells as a preset on her website. Her website is brittany-dawn.com. Uh, and honestly, I was intrigued that there was not a ton of information on her website for mm. someone who has spent, you know, the last 10 years running an online based business. Mm. I suspect if I'm allowed to get out of my area of the podcast research mm -hmm. and tap into my analytical brain, I suspect that there has been more on her website that has probably been pretty recently removed if I had to wager, I guess. Um, I think the website she's using now is a different one than what well, she's Brittany used Dawn in the past. Well, Brittany Dawn Fitness, B Dawn Fitness is still up. Yes, but which I'm going to touch on later. <laughs> great. It's still in its 2016 phase, um, which is just a dark sentence to say. Uh, doo -doo -doo. Let's see. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to let Brittany Dawn describe Brittany Dawn to you because I think she's quite good at doing that. So she starts with Isaiah 43-2. Uh, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you and through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned and the flame shall not consume you. That is consistent across her platforms that she starts with a verse, uh, different ones, but she's very, if, if you haven't picked up on this now, she's very faith forward at this moment in her life. She says, hello there, I'm Brittany Dawn, a Jesus-loving, workout-chasing, coffee-drinking gal from Texas. For those of you who know me through the fitness realm, allow me to reintroduce myself, as fitness is merely a sliver of my life in its entirety. Outside of the social media world, I am a wife, a daughter, and a God-fearing soul protected with a shell. I am a kingdom chaser, a passionate believer, and madly in love with Jesus. Above all else, I am a daughter of the Most High King. I am somewhat organized on Mondays and always carrying a dose of awkward with me. I laugh so hard that I get smile lines and some days cry enough tears to the point my lash extensions fall off. But guess what? That's what makes me me. I know all things are made beautiful in God's image, including the imperfect, messy, rough-around-the-edges version of myself. I stumble, make mistakes, and learn hard lessons, always choosing to relentlessly pursue Christ in the middle of the chaos. I've seen the highest highs and the lowest lows, weathering seasons of chaos, heartbreak, and utter devastation. From the bright, sunny days to the darkest of nights, I am here to simply say this. You are never alone, and you have not been forsaken, Hebrews 13.5. No matter what season you're in, no matter the battle you face, God is even still orchestrating something beautiful in your life. Let his refining fire chisel you. Welcome to imperfect, most days messy, but oh so beautiful life. Everyone is welcome here. Um, I I really, for, for the purposes of the Fit Lydia's, was trying to put myself into the frame of mind of if I had never heard, never witnessed a single moment of Brittany Dawn on the internet, what would... I gather from visiting her profile, right? Like how, how does she as a fitness personality represent herself on the internet? What is her business? Where does her business come from? Um, I, you know, full disclosure, uh, if I ended up on the page of someone who is a mostly Christianity based blogger, like I'm not going to click further. That's just not something I'm interested in. Mm -hmm. So this will be a sort of interesting turn in, the path of Brittany Dawn that she has 
pretty much left the world of fitness. Yeah. She's still sharing some workouts. She's still got a highlight on her page, labeled workouts, labeled running. It seems like she's actually, I know for a fact that she's still giving health and wellness advice because when we're recording this, she has a live AMA going on her story where she's answered a few questions, including talking about what she eats um, and talking about how she'll make some YouTube content about what she eats and how she makes it like yummy and healthy. Would you say Um, that the like health and fitness and wellness content that she posts now is more along the lines of what just like a lifestyle influencer would post and not someone who's like trying to fit into the niche of being like a wellness influencer? Absolutely. Her niche is definitely Christianity with a side, a side serving of lifestyle, self improvement, introspection, fashion. Sometimes, with a side, yeah. I mean, she's got a like to know it. She's got an Amazon storefront. She's sharing her makeup favorites, which all come from this. Wait, I just closed it out. They all come from this brand that I didn't have a chance to look into. It's called Crunchy, and I've heard it's an MLM. Um, so she's selling those products. It, it tracks. It tracks. Um, yeah, she is. She is a lifestyle influencer, and her lifestyle is one where she speaks about Jesus every day. She talks about her recent marriage, her struggles with infertility. We should put a trigger warning for infertility on this podcast, although I don't know how deep into the weeds we're going to get, but just know that that is something that her content does touch on if you're going and seeking out more of it. Um, And she talks a lot about like being in a godly marriage, um, her journey of uh, like purity before her marriage. She talks a lot about like she references very frequently um external sources of toxicity that have come into her life and how she was purified through those mm-hmm. i don't have the biblical knowledge to pull out the words that she uses but she frequently refers to things like monitoring spirits and uh there's another word that i can't think of that she pulls on quite frequently um But she is mostly telling the story of Brittany Dawn, Mm -hmm. which to me means she is selling lifestyle. Also, her business, although I couldn't find a ton of this information through her personal pages, her business has shifted course from being a fitness-based business to now she runs faith retreats through her company called She Lives Freed, which has its own website that is not... It's obviously linked to Brittany Dawn, but it's not through, you know, BrittanyDawn.com. This is something that she now does with a team. From what I can gather about these without diving too deep into the world of YouTube deep dives, which I think you (laughs) did a little more, Carolyn, um, she's charging people hundreds of dollars to go on these retreats where she mostly does preaching. And it seems like she's also performing baptisms Um, As far as I can tell, she doesn't belong to one specific denomination of Christianity. Mm -hmm. Uh, But that's what she's that's what she's doing now. She is primarily focusing her business as an influencer, uh, you know, through affiliate links, through I didn't see any brand partnerships, but I'm sure they probably exist Mm -hmm. through her YouTube channel. It should be said that having a following of almost half a million followers 
on YouTube means that you are getting YouTube money. She is running ads on her YouTube page, although I didn't see any ads when I listened to her podcast, which is the newest realm of her internet empire. And um, it is can I called- just interject for a second before you move on to the podcast? Please. I wasn't going to bring this up, but it's relevant to the um, the retreats that you were just talking about. There is mm-hmm. um, a journalist named Kelsey Weekman who uh, writes for BuzzFeed News, who has been covering Brittany Dawn extensively um, throughout the course of the last couple of years. And she has an article um, about her experience actually going to one of these Brittany Dawn retreats. And it wasn't relevant to my research, so I wasn't going to bring it up, but I did read it and it was very interesting. So if you wanted to learn more about that, it's Kelsey Weekman for BuzzFeed News. And the article is called, I went to former fitness influencer Brittany Dawn's conference and, oh, come on. And I guess I understand her now. (laughs) So, um, yeah, and a a lot of my research later on is coming from Kelsey's articles. So thanks, Kelsey, for doing a lot of the work for me. I appreciate it. (laughs) You know where I'm going right after this. It's been so hard to avoid all those deep dives because I am a curious cat. Uh, But I want to give, you know, a fair shake to Brittany. Mm -hmm. So speaking of her podcast, which is the most newly launched project let's say it was really it was released on march 22nd of this year which was her 32nd birthday um and she says she started a pod she's wanted to start a podcast for a long time she felt called to it multiple times um and then she was told to wait multiple times in a faith-based way i don't know how to articulate that like she does but uh she finally decided to launch it The first episode is called Cancel Culture, Slander, and the Refining Fire. Then she does several episodes on uh, When God Writes Your Love Story and the story of how she met her husband, some various interviews, an episode on navigating pregnancy loss, one about sex, one about the reality of being an influencer, one about abortion, which I fear might send a cold chill down my spine so i did not get into that spoiler alert we disagree with her <laughs> <laughs> yeah i i just stayed far away from that i'm like i can guess that's not what um, this episode I, is about so <laughs> no, no 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 it is not um lots about parenting she has been a foster parent and she talks about that a lot on her page lots about um struggles with pornography addiction um talking about you know, her pregnancy loss and how emotional that was for her with the most recent Mother's Day. And again, I'm just gleaning this from episode titles. I only listened to the very first episode about cancel culture and the very last episode titled Breaking My Silence, colon, I was sued by the state of Texas, which is a what she has teased as the first of a maybe five or six part series. So I expect that there will be more We'll be hearing a lot more from Brittany Dawn telling, as she says, her side of things um, starting soon. I also noticed as, again, trying to reserve my Girl Who Wins Fitness podcast analytical brain and trying to just take in this as a pure consumer, Mm -hmm. there's a huge emphasis on vengeance (laughs) ooh, the vengeance of jesus that um just because here i actually screenshotted this so i could quote it this was from her 
Instagram highlight titled lawsuit. Um, she says, do, 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 do. I will say this in regards to next week. Buckle up. What I'm about to share, the things I've endured for the last five years of my life, feels like it's straight out of a movie. It's been hell on earth. But oh, how God can do a mighty thing when we expose darkness with his light. Vengeance is the Lord's. She talks a lot about how just being because you're a Christian doesn't mean that you're soft. And she has also, you know, I... I don't know that I I don't call these threatening statements, but she has made a lot of allusions to the fact that specifically, you know, everyone knows Reddit's a horrible place, mm-hmm. but she specifically takes umbrage with the people of Reddit mm-hmm. who she has her own snark page, which is not which a again, thing I'll that get anyone into. wants. I feel, <laughs> yeah, um, I didn't, I didn't, I stayed right away from yeah, there. That was, but that was I, in my uh, research uh, wheelhouse this time. <laughs> that'll be my next, next stop. Um, Basically implying that she's used private investigators to track people down through Reddit, through their Reddit usernames, and kind of hinting from what I could tell that she will be pursuing some sort of legal follow-up. I don't know what that means. Mm -hmm. I don't know if she would try to press charges or whatever, but there is quite a bit of content like that. Now that she is, again, openly speaking about the lawsuit that the state of Texas brought up against her. That is part of the current narrative. There is a lot of, if you want to know the full story, go here with a redirection to different videos on YouTube and different um, episodes of the podcast to come. Make sure you're subscribed. The podcast (laughs) did not have any ads, but it did include a push as all podcasts do to rate it five stars at the end. Um, so that's, that's where Brittany Dawn stands today. That's what she's up to. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll come back to her podcast episode. Cause I know you kind of held back on giving your opinions on it. So I, I'm going to get into my piece here. And at some point I'm going to be bringing up that podcast episode again and talking a little bit more about the content of it. And, um, and so then Laura, we can, we can both share kind of yeah, how it made us feel. I've got a lot to say about it. Yeah. I don't even know that I would, uh, qualify what I have to say about it as opinions, although they certainly are. But I think that I guess my opinion that I will share up front here is that the podcast episode purports itself to be a measure of accountability and openness. And I think that say you were a new, a new podcast listener of Brittany Dons, there is a tremendous amount of context missing, missing from that podcast that I think we actually can provide maybe without even interjecting our own opinions. Yes. (laughs) Just so if you have been following this, uh, you can get a sort of one complete narrative line of what's happening because that is something that Brittany seems to be, I wouldn't accuse her of this being intentional, but unless you do want to go to the darker, more judgmental places of the internet, it's very difficult to get a full, clear picture of what happened because the information is scattered and a lot of the context is missing and are coming from sources that she claims are, you know, sent by Satan to bring her down. 
So yes, we're going to string some pieces together. Exactly. That is, that is what I spent my Sunday doing is just bless you. Oh my God. It was on. I mean, it was fun. I'm not going to lie and say I didn't enjoy myself. (laughs) I also didn't sleep well last night because my brain was just buzzing with every fact that has ever been put on the internet about this woman, um, or fiction. I mean, it's a lot, there's a lot. Um, but yeah, so alleged fact. I'm basically going to, I thought about how I wanted to organize this and I thought just chronologically was probably the one that made the most sense and easiest to follow. Um, I'm not going to try to turn this into some piece of like journalistic prose with, you know, jump scares and callbacks and whatever. I'm just going to, I'm just going to tell everybody what happened. So I literally can't wait. I love when you tell me stories (laughs) so much. (laughs) Well, I'm glad because I love to do it. Um, okay. Let's get into it. So as, We have been talking about Brittany Dawn is currently an extremely popular Christian influencer, but in a previous online life, uh, she used to be well known as a fitness influencer on Instagram and YouTube. Some would argue kind of one of the like original Instagram fitness influencers. So one of the reasons we're even talking about her right now is because as you mentioned, she has been in the news recently because she was sued by the state of Texas and she reached a settlement uh, in that lawsuit last month. And as you said, is finally breaking her silence. So this lawsuit started all the way back in 2019, actually. So it's kind of been a long time coming of her waiting to be able to say her piece about it. And in the meantime, she's been pretty silent on the matter across the board. Um, So when all the drama around this lawsuit started in 2019, she actually made an apology video on her YouTube channel that has since been taken down, but there are clips of it available around if you wanted to go find it. Um, And that was the last thing she ever posted about it or really about like her fitness business in general um, until just a few days ago when she put out that podcast episode. So now that the lawsuit is over, she's breaking her silence on the podcast and also talking about it in some very like kind of quippy like reels and TikToks that I found to be not necessarily in poor taste, but just interesting choices. Anyway, you can go on her TikTok and see for yourself. But (laughs) essentially, she was sued for failing to deliver the products and services that her clients paid for. That's the long and short of it. And now she has to pay the state of Texas hundreds of thousands of dollars for her illegal business practices. I believe $400,000 exactly. And then should she not follow through on the like statutes of the agreement, she will owe an additional uh, hundred thousand. I think one hundred thirty thousand dollars. Yes, yeah, exactly. Don't quote me on that, but I'm pretty. No, that pretty that is accurate. Well versed in this, by <laughs> that now. is accurate. So the reason there is so much press about this is because this is kind of like a landmark case in a way, because this is really the first time that an influencer has faced this kind of large scale legal trouble for unethical and scammy practices that are generally like really common in online, like quote unquote influencing. Like there's tons of people doing the same exact thing that Brittany Dawn did. So it's interesting to see someone finally kind of being made an example of, and it'll be interesting to see how the world of online coaching and influencing and stuff changes because there's now precedent for someone to actually face legal trouble for uh, being like not 
for doing illegal stuff online, basically. (laughs) Yeah. And I know we'll circle back around to this very shortly, but I do want to say that I, in this vein of internet person that Carolyn and I like to deep dive on that tends to publicly conflate critique and criticism and critical thinking and cyberbullying and harassment and getting canceled cancel culture (laughs) um Brittany Brittany Dawn if you are listening to this from one small business owner to another um I I it more importantly to the listeners, the reason Carolyn and I have chosen to go in on this topic is not, you know, maybe this sounds like the lady doth protest too much, but uh, we really don't take joy in talking about like something bad that happened to a lot of people. Yes. And we certainly are not trying to like crucify Brittany Dawn. Um, I actually find the reason a lot of her apologies are quite lackluster is because they are really focused on what she has been through uh which in my estimation is not true accountability and she is kind of the poster child that we have for what is a huge issue yeah in the online fitness world yeah we know of many other people who are getting away with the same behavior that Brittany Dawn is now you know having to pay up for yes this is not a a cult of personality this is not i don't believe in monsters like i don't think she wanted to hurt people i like to think that nobody does i you know i believe her when she says that she didn't want any of this to happen Mm -hmm. she is not the only business that was operating in this way this is not a problem that is indicative of like a previous time in social media this is more often than not how people build massive businesses on social media. Exactly. So just before we go into the specifics of her case too much, it's what can we learn from this so we can stop it before it starts, not, you know, let's let's interrogate. Yeah, and one of the reasons I'm really excited to be doing this episode is because there's already a lot of articles and YouTube videos and podcasts just kind of going over the outline of this situation from just a it's interesting to learn about scams perspective that, you know, more of like a true crime type of look. And while I am about to give like an overview of her career leading up to this point and the details of the lawsuit and stuff, We're also going to end this with a discussion from like the fitness business perspective and like they're talking about the things that we think ethically were wrong with the way that she ran her business besides just what was uh, talked about in the legal proceedings. So, you know, we're we're going to talk about this as trainers, as fitness business in like uh fitness business owners. And um, so hopefully we'll add a little bit of context to the conversation that isn't just the stuff that's already available. Our goal here is that you don't send hundreds of dollars to someone from the internet who is promising you the world. Yes, 100%. Well, okay. I thank you so much for kind of uh, giving that little disclaimer there because that I agree with everything you just said. Um, I can smell the the angry reviews pouring in already. <laughs> I wanted to cut them off. Um, okay, so let's just kind of take it back to the beginning of Brittany's career and kind of just like 
follow, follow, connect the dots to see how we even got to this place where a fitness influencer is getting sued by the state of Texas because that is just – a yeah. wild thing to be happening. So Brittany That's Dawn. That's a crazy sentence. I love it. I know, right? <laughs> Brittany Dawn Davis <laughs> started her career as a fitness influencer in 2014 when she started um, her Instagram account. On Instagram, she quickly grew a following with her photos in cute outfits, pictures of donuts and Starbucks drinks, her fitness content, and before and after pictures of um, her personal experience with weight loss, often utilizing one of a couple before pictures from when she was in college in 2009 and then comparing it to her her now thinner uh, body of the present whenever that present happened to be. These pictures were often accompanied by inspiring captions about empowerment, loving life, being an eating disorder warrior or ED warrior, and, you know, screwing the haters and the body shamers. She definitely was utilizing the like mid 2000s, like body positivity movement rhetoric that you've heard us uh, critique and discuss many a time on this podcast. But that that was a big part of her uh marketing copy, I guess you could say. Um, At this time, she was 23 years old, thin, blonde, always had a spray tan and a full beat complete with dramatic lashes. She truly embodied the Instagram influencer look and honestly was kind of one of the pioneers of this look. Like her look was sort of part of what defined the Instagram influencer look because she was one of the pioneers of turning fitness influencing into a career in the first place um, and defining like what that even means or looks like. She was one of the first. Everyone who's come after her has partially modeled what they do off of her, whether they realize it or not. What she was doing before her quick rise to Instagram fame is a little bit unclear. There's some conflicting information out there. So in the past, she has claimed that she was a vet tech for five years leading up to um, starting this online business that like she was a vet tech and she was participating in bodybuilding competitions and like going to the gym and tracking her own workouts and stuff. And when she realized like, Oh, this works for me, I'll start posting it online. Like that's kind of how the origin story was. But then more recently in her latest podcast episode, she claims that she was a personal trainer working in a gym before she was a um, fitness influencer. And I'll bring this up with some other pieces of information, but this was brought up because her husband, uh, Jordan, who was also, you know, recording the podcast with her, he made sure to bring it up. He was very adamant about saying, and you were a trainer at the time. And it was, it was just a little interesting. We'll get into it. Thank you for clarifying the vet tech thing, because in that podcast episode, she talks about how I had, she says, I, you know, I didn't have a background in business. She's kind of, you know, painting the picture, apologizing for business mistakes. And she said, mm-hmm. I, I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't have a background in business. I didn't have a background in fitness either. My background was in horses. And that made me pause. Yeah. <laughs> Not for any reason other than I was like, what does that mean? Yeah. How, so how do you have a background in horses? <laughs> what? Also, I think she was like 21. How do you have a background in anything? But I'm like, oh, she's going to share her college major. And she's going to say, oh, I went to school for marketing or fashion or 
nutrition and yeah so supposedly she was a vet tech also supposedly she was a personal trainer and like in her latest podcast episode like clearly states like I was working with clients in person and like it was my experience with working with those clients that helped me like develop the framework for my online business essentially is what she was saying that's paraphrasing um but anyway so who knows what she was doing in her early, early 20s before she started on Instagram. But it was one of those two things, supposedly. she also has a background in bodybuilding, yes, right? Yes, and Which... either way, she's very clear that she was participating in bodybuilding. And this is a very important part of her story because she, at least until more recently, um, when she's been uh, crediting Jesus with her healing, she was crediting bodybuilding with kind of spurring her eating disorder recovery because she talks extensively, has talked extensively over the years in various blog posts and Facebook posts and Instagram captions and YouTube videos, um, even though she denies it now. Uh, it's all over the internet. Um, but she has disclosed multiple times about her history with binge eating disorder, anorexia, orthorexia, and talks about how the process of learning how to train for bodybuilding competitions was a huge part of her recovery um, in her eating disorder, which she never went to any kind of formal treatment for, you know, self-recovery is valid, whatever, whatever your experience, that is her story. We'll talk about it more later. At the same time that she started posting on social media, she also started offering her online programs and services. These included one-on-one coaching, individualized workout plans, and macros plans, which if you are not familiar with that lingo, it's basically like a diet plan that is based around tracking the amount of macronutrients that you eat. Um, And she was selling these on her website, bedonfit.com. Her clients got the honor of being a part of Team Brittany Dawn and having access to a Facebook group with her other clients, of which eventually there were literally thousands. So over the next few years, her social media following and business grew rapidly with thousands of people buying her programs and hundreds of thousands of people following her on Instagram and YouTube, where she was now posting regular vlogs and long form video content. People loved her for her cheery personality, welcoming quote unquote body positive message and her supposed commitment to helping women achieve their fitness goals and supporting the eating disorder community. However, in 2018, there was a bit of a vibe shift in the Facebook group. While it is normal for any business to get a few customer complaints here and there, it was quickly becoming apparent that Brittany was often not delivering on what people were paying for. The Facebook group started to get regular posts about not receiving plans, extremely low, slow communication from Brittany, plans that seemed to be cookie cutter and sometimes identical to plans from other clients, even if they're like biometric information was completely different and a just a general lack of coaching check-ins and plan updates, which was always advertised as a key feature of her plans, especially her more expensive ones. Brittany started deleting these posts and the negative comments and the negative reviews, which of course did not go over Uh-oh. well with the people who were trying to get refunds or at least just answers about what was going on, you know, emailing her over and over again, thinking she's supposed to get back to you and not hearing back for weeks or months when you were having legitimate issues and complaints with the program. Like that's a big deal. That should not be happening in a coaching business. 
So since all of their complaints and posts were getting deleted from the Brittany Dawn Facebook page, they decided to create their own Facebook page called Brittany Dawn Fitness Business Complaints, which kind of quickly became pretty big and well-known and started to even get media attention. Now, this is where things really start to blow up and take a turn for Brittany because at this point, she's kind of keeping things under control to an extent, um, you know, businesses buzzing along, her socials are still like running smoothly and growing and she's getting new clients and customers. But in 2019, the brewing drama draws the attention of this YouTube prank guy named Cassidy Campbell who decides that he is going to kind of capitalize on the situation by pranking Brittany while she was working at a fitness convention. So he does what he often does for his videos and dresses up as one of his characters, which in this case, he decided to dress up as this like Trump loving man, you know, wearing stupid sunglasses and a stupid shirt with an eagle on it, which actually I like stupid shirts with an eagle on it. But either way, it just this this character who's like, yeah, I love Trump. And that's like the opening clip to his video. And I'm like, wow, hilarious, revolutionary. (laughs) It's so bad. But anyway, he has someone filming this video where he goes up to Britney in his character costume and confronts her saying, you stole my daughter's money. You owe my daughter $200. This video goes absolutely viral. And this is where people in a more mainstream sense start to see and call Britney a scammer, a grifter. She starts to develop this more negative reputation. Here's the thing about this video. Like, even though in a way it may have been a net positive because it kind of brought to light a lot of what was going on and kind of brought this scandal to a more mainstream audience. This guy sucks. Like he's clearly an asshole. That's a shitty thing. to He's do. not funny. <laughs> this was a really mean thing to do to someone just like accosting them when they're like, it, she was just at this conference to like support who, her friend who I think had some kind of like supplement or like protein bar business and was literally just tabling at this event and like minding her own business. And he doesn't have a daughter who was even a client of hers. Like that was all made up. He de- literally doesn't even have a daughter. Sorry, I should say. Like it was just a completely fabricated story. But, you know, news outlets obviously just like ran with it. And it became this whole like kind of fake scandal that was based on a real scandal. So very kind of morally gray situation. Very strange. But either way. Uh, um, a, a broken clock is still right twice a day (laughs) exactly but also like dudes who do youtube pranks are just the worst vibes imaginable oh my god just like profoundly unfunny content i it's it i (laughs) i hate youtube prank videos they make me so mad um but anyway so yeah Yeah. it's his like one of his most viewed videos to this day it has 1.8 million views right now um and who knows if it was because of that video or just because many of the people who were making these complaints in the Facebook group, like, brought them up the proper channels, um, you know, legally in the government. <laughs> but eventually, the Attorney General of Texas, Ken Paxton, um, announced that he was filing, filing a lawsuit, a civil lawsuit against Brittany Dawn. So 
let's uh, get into it a little bit. I want to read some excerpts of the actual like lawsuit that was brought against her because honestly, it's it's well written. And I think it does a good job of like really laying out exactly what what she did wrong and what was going on. It's it's available online. And honestly, again, didn't dive into it too much. But the parts of it that I did read are like in very plain language and very consumer friendly. If you're intrigued to know more about how the details of this thing work. Yes, exactly. So here are just some some excerpts. So um, the BeDawnFit.com website offered personalized online fitness plans that contained a nutrition component based on personalized macronutrients, an exercise component, and one-on-one coaching. Depending on the length and type of the plan, consumers paid anywhere from $92 up to $300. The offered plans included the 30-day individualized macros and training and the 90-day individualized macros and training. The BeDawn fit.com website also offered a macro consult, which included one recalculation of the consumer's personalized macronutrients after the initial assessment. Defendant, Brittany Dawn, was offered specialized or also offered specialized bridal or bikini competition fitness plans that included daily text slash email check-ins. Uh, a self-guided training plan for $45, a fraction of the cost of the fitness plans with individualized macros and training, and an ebook on nutrition were also offered. Regardless of which nutrition or fitness plan was purchased, an essential component of almost every sale on the website was the individualized coaching offered by Defendant Davis. The website identified Miss Davis as the individual providing the coaching and support. She was described as your coach, your confidant, your biggest supporter and friend there to push you, mold you and help you find the person you've always wanted to become. And so then here it says very plainly, in addition to the lack of coaching or individualized fitness plans, defendants did not customize each consumer's macronutrients at the beginning of the fitness plan. Although consumers answered personal survey questions at registration about their height, weight, goals, and activity level on the promise of an individual assessment, defendants delivered generic macronutrient guidelines to consumers. One consumer found that she and another consumer of approximately the same height had suggested caloric intake a caloric intake differential of only 60 calories even though one made one weighed 140 pounds more Defendants also failed to provide the adjustments to macronutrients promised for the duration of the fitness plan. One consumer complained that she was never provided a macronutrient adjustment, even though she was working out and her body was changing. Another was a beginner weighing 200 pounds who almost passed out from inadequate nutrition. Defendant Davis did not respond to her emails asking for assistance. Another consumer suffered extreme hunger and sent email after email seeking help from Ms. Davis, who finally responded a month later, scolding her for not letting her know how bad the hunger was earlier, even though each email explained the issue. So like, it's just, it could not be more clear that she just literally was not running, like actually running her business in the way that it was advertised online. There's so much discussion also of like the email check-ins that people were getting just being like very generic, like, you go girl, like you're doing awesome girl boss, like type of responses, even when they were bringing up like legitimate complaints and issues. Um, and then the other major portion of this is the allegation that she 
misled customers with eating disorders. So the last portion I'll read from the actual document here says defendant Davis posted videos on YouTube explaining that she overcame her eating disorder through exercise and healthy eating in the same social media posts. She then offered links to her fitness and nutrition plans. Consumers inferred from the defendant's videos and links to her website that she had special training to address eating disorders. One consumer noted that the reason I chose her, Miss Davis, out of all the coaches out there was specifically that she advertised herself as a, quote, eating disorder soldier. It was incredibly important to me that the person I chose to coach me had an idea of what it was like to deal with an eating disorder. Prior to reaching out for her guidance, I had battled with anorexia. And at my worst, I was, you know, a, it lists a low weight. Miss Davis denies that she accepted customers with eating disorders. However, consumer documents tell a different story. At least 14 consumers who sought refunds from defendants from the defendant mentioned eating disorders in their complaints. One consumer on her initial survey states, I truly need guidance, help, the right information and support right now. I currently have an eating disorder, horrible body image. I am underweight for my height. Miss Davis's response was great. Welcome to the hashtag team Brittany Dawn family. Ah, it's so bad. Defendants proceeded to provide cardio exercises and low calorie macronutrient suggestions that would only be suitable to someone who needed to lose weight, not put it on. So it's let's just- pause quickly here too and say that like, let's point out a couple just general red flags as coaches. Mm-hmm. Um, first of all, as I do believe, I didn't see any evidence of it, but I'm pretty sure Brittany has talked about being a NASM certified personal trainer. She's I mentioned that. that is. Who I, knows? I, we have no way of knowing if that's true or not, but if we take right a word, that is true. We know that she has certification to be personal training people. What that means, the scope of your certification as a personal trainer is that you can write workouts for people to do. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You can walk people through workouts. You are not allowed to address injury. That is the role of a physical therapist or a medical care team. You should not be addressing eating disorders or other mental health issues. That is the role of either a mental a mental health certified professional, a therapist or something along those lines, an eating disorder recovery center or care team, a medical care team. You should not be providing meal plans, mm-hmm. which it didn't. It's, that's what she was like. That's what macro, macro plans coaching are. to me. Yeah. It falls into a very icky gray area where uh, I, we've talked about this on the podcast before, like, Carolyn went to school for nutrition. I have a, you know, six-month nutrition coaching certification. If we wanted to, we could put on our websites, like, we are nutrition professionals. We are nutritionists. Mm -hmm. We are health coaches, whatever. Like, that, again, is a tricky gray area. I've offered nutrition coaching before and quickly walked it back when I was like, (laughs) we don't have anything to talk about that's within my scope of practice. Like, we can talk about behavioral coaching around nutrition which I think is useful but I felt bad charging people money for that because it's just not as useful Mm -hmm. I I just don't think that's useful um all this to say especially on the scale of you working with thousands of people over the internet those regardless of any like malpractice or any 
um, fraudulent actions, those are things that you should not be touching on. Yes. Yeah. As a group coach, even if you're supposedly offering one-to-one coaching, which is, I don't know, what's the greatest number of one-to-one clients you've had, Carolyn, at a time? For me, it's like 10. Yeah. I was going to say like maybe 14, but yeah. And, and that's we'll, like, we'll get into it. We're, we're going to, I'm, I'm going to give us the opportunity to talk more about this. Yes. But, and we, all this to say, like, as, as just taking someone at their word and being like, Hmm, let's look at the structure of this coaching practice. There's a lot of bad news already without anything going wrong. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Oh my gosh. So many red flags to begin with. Um, okay. So that, that was, that was the lawsuit. Um, obviously, as we said, they settled out of court. It did not go to trial. She owes 400,000 to $530,000. Um, and so basically like what's been going on throughout the course of this four and a half year lawsuit situation is she has been continuing to have an online presence. It just, as we've talked about, looks very different than what Brittany Dawn fitness used to look like. So back in 2019, when all of the shit was hitting the fan for the first time, she posted that really horrible apology video that I mentioned to like kind of try to scramble and save face and like promise that she was trying to, you know, fix things behind the scenes. And she talks about this in her podcast episode too, that at that time she was indeed like trying to fulfill like refund requests to, um, you know, as many people as she could, I guess. And I I do believe that she was giving some refunds to try to smooth the situation over and kind of quell the fire, but it was already raging beyond her capabilities to stop things from going the direction that they were going. So after that apology video, she went like radio silent for a number of months on social media and then resurfaced with this total rebrand where she was not talking about fitness. She was not offering fitness coaching or macros plans. And instead she was influencing in the name of Jesus. And this uh, rebrand at first did lose her a ton of followers which makes sense. I'm sure there was a significant portion of her following before that was not following her for any of the content she did use to post about her faith, um, but they were there for the fitness. Um, This was when I personally unfollowed her because I was like, oh my God, am I still following her? And I was. (laughs) And so I was like, please go away. You're scaring me. Um, But it is safe to say that in the end, this rebrand was successful because as we've talked about, she is like still insanely huge online. Her platforms, you know, across the Internet are collectively bigger than they ever have been before. Um, And so despite the fact that she keeps talking about cancel culture and saying she was canceled, like she sure has a giant platform for someone who was canceled, which is always funny to me. (laughs) It is a smart PR move if you have if you have massively disappointed one community Mm -hmm. to take a drastic left turn into another community yes that is an easy way to obscure people's beef with you Mm mm-hmm 
it is very, I think this is something we will continue to see with internet facing people in the future that once you've built a platform once, like that is a skill and you have the yes. skill to do it again. Yes. And it is much easier to build a platform when you know what you're doing from the start. And it is easy to obscure a past platform with a present platform. Mm -hmm. Especially, and you know, I don't want to get too deep into this, but when your platform, I think it's fair to say that someone who is using a platform for religious ministry, I think it's safe to say that they are running a platform grounded in morality, grounded in... Um, well, they're running a platform grounded you, you, in charisma more than anything else. At least she yeah, is. Yeah, you're you're trying to start a cult of personality, but when you're making a platform that is frequently, you're frequently articulating. Oh, I made mistakes in the past. She refers to pre Jesus Britney a lot. Mm -hmm. When you're constantly referencing your past mistakes, when you're constantly offering yourself up in the in the light of vulnerability when you are saying oh i'm a flawed person oh i'm naive i'm prideful i'm just a little girl it makes valid criticism difficult to stick especially when you are someone who is so skilled at personal branding as someone like Brittany Dawn because from the like beginning or maybe not the very beginning but very quickly and her like influencing an online coaching career um like as a personal brand she really really mastered the art of like girl boss selective vulnerability and manufactured relatability and like I heard it all over that blurb from your website that or from her website that you read and like I just having, you know, consumed content myself as someone who has like grown an online business and a brand, like I just can't help but see the frameworks and the strategies of like all this, like every time that she mentions her past and her mistakes and, um, you know, the way she feels about it and how she overcame the hardship of it. Not to say that any of that is like fake or false, but she's weaving a brand story for marketing purposes. And I just, I personally can't like see it as anything other than that. So it's hard for me not to like roll my eyes. Even when I see this with creators whose niches are things I'm interested in, when you leave so lean, lean so heavily into the personal brand storytelling, I'm just like, oh my God, I get it. Okay. Yeah. You like, took a Gary V course or went to B school a few years ago and like know all of the tricks of how to like do a sales funnel. Like, great. Good for you. Yeah. I, th I think when you're, when your bio on your self titled domain website is all about your redemption arc, mm -hmm. when that, when people are being introduced to you that way, like that's not even two paragraphs down where you're like, Hey, here's something to me. And here's something that happened to me in the past. And here's how I've grown through it as like more context when you're leading as when you're leading with disclaimers, that's usually a bad sign. Yeah. I'm, 
I totally agree. And also like covered my face trying not to laugh because I was just thinking if websites all had um, like background music, like MySpace pages used to, you just know hers would be playing Antihero by Taylor Swift. Oh my God. I was thinking earlier, like when she's like breaking my silence, I'm like, this is so close to her being like, I'm in my speak now era. I, like she's like, I'm in my reputation era. And that's that's making assumptions. That's not a nice thing to do about a person. I also think about the type of people who might be drawn to faith-based content and who might resonate with someone being like, I've made mistakes just like all of you. And I'm like, but how many of those people's mistakes are scamming people out of like hundreds of thousands of dollars? How many of those people's mistakes are, have warranted three to four YouTube apology videos over the course of five years? Like there's... It it all gives me, I know our conversation is going to give me echoes of the conversation we had during the Blogilates episode where we can both empathize with what it's like to be a woman on the internet. In the case of Cassie Ho of Blogilates, like a woman of color on the internet, that is not a friendly experience. And I imagine that like there are many experiences that she's had that I would not want to trade places with for the world. Mm -hmm. I can empathize with that and also be like, when people levy valid criticism at you for the harm that you've caused, it's, it's a, yeah, it's a very helpful thing to be like, I'm being cyber bullied because people don't like the way I look or because (laughs) I shaming someone for being skinny and telling them to eat a burger is just as bad as fat shaming and telling someone they need to eat a salad. That is an actual Instagram caption that she wrote almost verbatim that it's it's all very performative and it's especially in the case of Brittany Dawn who has again treading carefully here but has now aligned herself with the religious right Mm -hmm. as a white woman as a blonde white woman blonde thin white woman getting on the internet and talking about crying is easily a a weapon yes Yes. When when white women express um, sadness, express sorrow, express hurt, express any kind of um, anything that aligns them with victimhood, emotion. Yes, anything that aligns them with victimhood. That is, it's that is a power play. Still, yeah, or it that can, it aligns can be. you. It can be used as a it power can play. Be. Yeah, people should. You know, I'm always getting online and crying, but I'll, like, you know, everyone should get to be snotty and everyone should get to be honest and everyone should get to, you know, express themselves. But that is something to watch for. That when you are putting yourself in a state of perpetual victimhood, that that is the the power that comes from that of aligning yourself in a way that um white women have traditionally drawn their power from that is a an act when you are doing it publicly that is not an act without ramifications yeah yeah. that is a it's it's pr it's branding Mm -hmm. it's um it's a it's a move it's not no one is having a genuine reaction when they 
film and edit a YouTube video and then press upload and hashtag it. Exactly. Like, and yeah. that's all also comes down to the role of us being smart consumers where, you know, we've, we can watch people take accountability, accountability publicly and debate, you know, the efficacy of that. And I think that's something we're learning to have smarter conversations about, but also like there is just so, there are so many people in the comment section who, and not just on Brittany Dawn's videos, but who will jump to the defense of a white woman who is publicly exhibiting emotion because how could you be mean? And yeah, critique and criticism and customer dissatisfaction are not the same thing as people bullying you. And that doesn't mean that like reactions can't be disproportionate and people can't also be bullied mm -hmm. and that's bad, but you can't just conflate everything and say, I'm, I'm the, you know, victimized figure in all of this. Yes. And icky. because, because the truth is there, there is a lot of really unethical s stuff that Brittany Dawn has done over the course of her career that isn't even mentioned in a lot of these headlines and stuff, because they are only talking about specifically what was in this lawsuit. And so we'll, we'll get into, um, that in in a moment but i first want to take us on a quick little detour to the list of other random scandals that Brittany Dawn has found herself embroiled in in this kind of weird interim period since the fall of Brittany Dawn Fitness and when she's finally speaking out <laughs> about everything that's happened because this girl cannot stop doing weird shit and putting it on the internet that's just like bad <laughs> I just it is wild so okay also can I petition and I promise I won't go on another tangent can I petition that we only refer to her as a woman because I realized I called her girl oh, earlier yeah. and that's something that absolutely grinds my gears that she's a 32 year old woman and she keeps referring to herself as girl and being like I was just a baby I didn't know any better and it's like well you were 28 that is you know that is very true yes and I also calling myself out here was definitely using girl in like a derogatory sense there. So not going to do that also. Um, but yes, yeah, so good on you for taking accountability, <laughs> Carolyn. Let's move <laughs> forward you. now. Um, <laughs> so, okay. For a little bit of context here, since, um, since all this has been going down, basically when she made her pivot to like this, uh, like creating Christian content, basically. She then found herself on the radar of this other group of people who weren't really paying attention to her before, weren't necessarily a part of the fitness scam stuff. Um, but it is this group on Reddit of the subreddit Fundy Snark, which if you are not an online person, you're like, that is gibberish. What are you talking about? <laughs> Basically, in non-internet terms, it is a an online forum for people who have deconstructed their evangelical or Christian fundamentalist upbringing, and they use this platform to connect with one another and critique the uh, social media content posted by prominent Christian influencers. Do you think that explanation made sense, Laura? <laughs> it made sense to me. I think you're doing great. Okay, great. So I'm not really going to go into that stuff because that's just like not what this is about and not my place. But 
basically since Brittany Dawn started posting in that niche of like Christian content creation, this subreddit kind of picked up on what she was doing and started um, just like following the things that she was posting. And she became such a popular character on the sub subreddit that they ended up uh, making a separate snark subreddit for her called Brittany Dawn snark, which I will say I had a very mixed experience reading through this subreddit because I think a lot of the people who are on it legitimately use it for pointing out harmful or potentially harmful behavior coming from Brittany Dawn. They're using it to connect with other people who were like victims of her business scam and are using it in very good faith ways. I also think there are people on there who are being like unnecessarily cruel and um, verging on bullying. And I think that is the behavior that she's often talking about when she's, you know, talking about like the haters and the online bullies and whatever. But like you mentioned, Laura, she's like conflating that, which is you know, just a handful of people in this one particular subreddit with all of the criticism she's gotten online for any reason at all, much of which is very valid. So again, there's something like there is no doubt that she's faced a disproportionate amount of really nasty, hateful vitriol online. There is something wrong with people who go to people's pages just to say the nastiest thing they can think of. There's something wrong with people. Like no one should be getting death threats, especially for scamming people with fitness plans. Or posting a picture of their body, which she has gotten like horrible comments just like about the way she looks also. But she also does continue to put herself in situations where she is posting things that really should not be posted online. I got a similar impression where she tends to do a bit of baiting, I believe. Yeah. Um, Yes. Posting something that's like akin to posting like a picture that's like, don't comment on women's bodies, but then you're like barely wearing any clothing. And it's a picture that's like just your body and you know what your reach is and you know how the internet feels about you and what you're going to get. I don't want to get into like victim blaming, but I do think that she employs the strategy of like upsetting people like posting polarizing things to go viral yes or shocking things exactly it's not it's not always yeah like stuff about her body that's actually not any of these things on my list that was just something I remembered from like a comment section on a picture she posted back in like 2015 or something like that um but more recently um this is what she has been up to and making the internet mad about So since 2021, this group has been paying attention to her online behavior and calling out the things that they consider to be problematic. And like I said, providing a place, you know, to also just like commiserate about the harm that she did to them when they did her fitness programs. Um, And it is from this community that we get a list of side quest scandals that have surrounded her over the last two to three years. So so that's the only way I can describe this, because what do any of these things have to do with anything else that she posts? It's like lore. Yeah. Yeah. So first, um, they kind of the, the first thing that like created this subreddit was discussions about kind of the eerily the eerie convenience of her rebrand um, that you that it seems, you know, opportunistic and potentially not very sincere because it's very convenient that post 
scandal, she has decided to then target her content towards a community that is known for valuing forgiveness, basically. And who knows? Could be a coincidence. Everything that she's posting could be completely genuine and, you know, in good faith. But, you know, some of the discussion on that platform has been like, um, hey, this feels a little bit like you're maybe trying to avoid accountability or maintain um, an online platform that can provide you with money while not having to talk about this like unethical thing that you did and this like these like legal problems that you're having. So that's kind of where it started. Then <laughs> the next one on my list here and um, trigger, trigger warning for animal abuse. Um, oh God, there, ha- there are many discussions about the many, many like eight different puppies that she has adopted over the years posted content about and that have just sort of disappeared from her content. Some with explanations like they went to like go live with different family members. A couple of them are still around. Um, But some of them have sort of just disappeared under mysterious circumstances that she never addressed. And one of them she did address and it is absolutely horrific so trigger warning again for like violence towards animals um a couple years ago she adopted a golden doodle puppy who she named brody and she posted a video i think it was in one of her youtube vlogs about how tragically when she and her husband were out of the house and they were for some reason letting the dogs just run around in the backyard when they weren't home brody got out of the backyard and ran into the street and got hit by a car. Already very sad. That is not the triggering part here. So skip 30 seconds ahead again if you are squeamish about this kind of stuff. Um, Her husband, instead of taking the dog to the emergency vet, just shot him in the street. (gasps) Oh, my God. Just, yeah. And so she's telling this story. A golden doodle puppy? Yes. She's telling this story about how she's like inside and it's so emotionally hard for her. And like she she's like, I heard him like turn the car on and I know that he did that so that like I wouldn't hear the gunshot as loud. And, you know, telling telling the story as if it's just kind of like a normal but sad thing that just happens. But it's like. This is not old yeller, okay? <laughs> like you can't just decide to do that with your pet. Like you have you take your animal to the vet. Um so not that to be horrified like, a lot of people. So so cynical about this. Obviously this is not the most no disturbing. No spoilers about her husband. No, I don't know anything about the husband other okay, than okay. I'm disturbed by the fact that he was sitting next to her in the apology videos side coaching her through it like she's 12 and apologizing to a neighbor whose window she broke with a baseball. Um, yeah. Not to be so, so cynical about the the dog's death. This is clearly not the most horrifying part of that. But you you just didn't need to post that. Exactly. Exactly. And that's what I'm saying. That's like the... Like, it's the rage bait. It's the, yeah. I'm going to post about this, like, extremely awful thing you, that happened in my life. You've been on YouTube for, like, the better part of a decade. You know how people are going to react to that. And she, th- this is just, like, one of many examples of her just using everything for content, even when it feels kind of inappropriate or extremely inappropriate. The, the Nora um, Ephron okay. model of 
YouTube. Jesus. Yeah. Um, so one more about animals. This one is about horses. So again, trigger warning if you are sensitive to that and don't want to listen. Um, so she, a couple years ago, got a horse and um, has been keeping it like, you know, was like renting basically like stable space to keep the horse. Um, and she wrote, this is all alleged. She wrote like a bad review of the place where she had been keeping the horse. I don't know if she still has it or if she's since sold the horse, but basically wrote a bad review about the place. And they responded to her bad review, basically saying that she was like, like three months behind on rent payments and almost never came by to see the horse and refused to pay money to um, have a vet come by to treat the horse when it was having medical problems. And so like employees of these stables of this place where she was like paying, was supposed to be paying, was not paying um, to keep her horse allegedly, um, were having to pay out of their own pockets to make sure that this horse was like at least like baseline adequately taken care of so that it wouldn't like die or get like horrible medical uh, situations. Um, so again, all alleged. I also like it is common for businesses to lie about, you know, the things that customers have done, like who knows, but that's just another like piece of drama that was on the snark page. And at least like, even if not all of those allegations are true, I wouldn't be surprised if she got a horse and only visits it occasionally for photo shoots and only has it to make content and doesn't actually, you know, ride it or take very good care of it. Like that would not be surprising to me based on how she treats the other things in her life and just uses everything for content. You know what I mean? Yeah, you could you could see how a, a business would be motivated to by someone who already has like a storied history, but also at a certain point, like the stories sound start to sound a little bit too similar. Like at a certain point, yeah. every oops becomes a pattern of behavior. Yes. Um, so speaking of exploiting things for her YouTube channel, at some point in the last couple of years, I forget exactly when, she exploited a homeless man who supposedly came into their church and was like tithing with pennies. And so she and Jordan decided to like help him out. He was dealing with some like uh, substance abuse issues and um, they basically started a GoFundMe to get him help. And they raised $25,000, I believe, for this GoFundMe. That's great. And then just kind of stopped giving updates about it. Oh. And um, people oh. were really calling them out and being like, I donated to this. Like, where is the money? You said it was all going to go directly to him. And they posted this like very angry video being like, we don't owe you guys anything. We don't need to tell you like what happened with the money. Like, like get off our backs. And I don't know how corroborated this is, but uh, someone found out that allegedly what did happen with this man is that the help that they gave him was to send him to a free non-medical church run like rehab program so it didn't cost any money in the first place they don't it doesn't have any medical where did staff. the money go um that's the question People on the subreddit like to point out it's a little bit convenient that they did get married like two months right after this. Like it certainly wasn't going to horse rent. So where's that money, Brittany? Yeah, exactly. And so, again, all of this is alleged. This is just, you know, people on Reddit who are following these things, connecting the dots. Their own biases are in play, of course. And 
on a snark subreddit, everything is going to paint her in the worst light possible. Um, but these are these are I've been seeing TikTok videos about these things over the past couple of years. Like she's come up in my feed every few months with like another weird scandal that people are talking about. So, yeah. So I mentioned like no spoilers about the husband. Ready for this. I don't think trigger warning for police violence. Ooh. If you don't want to hear about that. So her husband, former Kansas City police officer in 2018, was sued by the ACLU for use of excessive force against a black man uh, when he was a police officer in Kansas City in 2013. The whole thing was caught on dash cam footage. Um, He was dismissed by the force. He lost the case. He had settled out or he didn't lose it. It settled out of court. Very clear cut. I did watch the video. I kind of wished that I hadn't. I don't know why I did that to myself. Very clear and obvious. He basically like drop kicked a man who was just like doing nothing but standing there with his hands out by his sides. Um, and yeah, so that all happened. And then recently, like a month ago, just he went he went on a podcast, a, a YouTube podcast called brute force discussions i wish everyone could see my face right now for the past 10 minutes i'm it just keeps getting worse i'm like, sorry this is not a funny story but that is so funny well, it feels like you got chat gpt to write this like how much fucking more is there gonna be like i know it sounds made up but here's the thing this i didn't just read a reddit post about this i went and watched portions of the interview that he had on this podcast like it's a real video that exists and it is him britney dawn's husband jordan um so he went on this podcast to basically like defend himself being like oh like this was cancel culture like coming for me oh like blah blah, blah 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 but it's so funny because like all of the top few it doesn't have a lot of comments on there but a bunch of the top comments are people who are like hey like I love this podcast like I'm like a longtime watcher or like I am a police officer but like hey dude what you did is indefensible like I wanted to hear you out but then I went and watched the video and like that is so clearly excessive force like why are you even on here talking about like this? the police brutality so fans like, were like whoa too much police brutality yeah <laughs> yes like so even like the right wing like like thin blue line listeners of this particular podcast were like hey man uh probably probably shouldn't be doing this right now um and so that is her husband. And then this is kind of all like pretext to why there are some people, quite a few people who are upset or at least very wary of the fact that Brittany Dawn and her ex-police, like disgraced police officer husband were approved to become foster parents. And not just that, they've been placed with foster kids twice and their most recent placement was a black baby. Oh. to a man with a history of like racially motivated charging a firearm and racially motivated or like potent like like excessive force against a black man it's just meh. wait how it's all did, like how did these people get approved to be foster parents with like the so that's what a lot of the discussion is on kind of like that side of TikTok is people pointing out that this is such an example of why the foster care system is really broken that like this couple 
who has this history of lawsuits and fraud and violence can get approved to be like, like documented, like court cases that they had to pay out money for, <laughs> not just like alleged, um, that they can get approved to be foster parents and be paid money by the state to take care of someone else's baby. Um, and then of course, people are getting upset at the content that Brittany Dawn is posting, especially on TikTok and Reels about fostering the babies where she is basically expressing how excited she is when a placement comes to her and how devastated and sad she is when she has to reunify the baby with its family. Um, and a lot of the comments on those videos that she posts about like foster mom stuff are like, unification is the goal. Like you should never be celebrating a placement. It's really sad when a baby has to be separated from its family. Like you can be sad when you have to say goodbye to a, a baby because babies are lovely, but your goal should always be to like reunify it with it. It's like, so it's getting into the discourse on that whole side of things, which this episode is also not about, but like she's embroiled in so many conflicts and scandals and in like, all of these different arenas that have nothing to do with each other and nothing to do with fitness. And it is just baffling to me. <laughs> it's so wild. It really like, it really makes me wish. Actually, no, I won't even say that. I'm just, I'm baffled by the audacity. Like I'm always, yeah. it, it does not give you faith in our systems. Like I think about, I think about what I had to go through to adopt a cat. Like they, yeah. Uh, they called personal references. I had to give a zoom tour of my apartment and that was yeah, to get like exactly. a, a thrifted garbage cat, not a human baby. <laughs> like, Oh, Norm <laughs> thrifted garbage. cat. I, I, I'm trying to be, a, <sighs> I'm trying to treat Norm a little less like a human baby. So that's, you know, but like, <laughs> and I gladly did it because that's what you do. Be what I, I, I know it is wild. I'm just confused, Caroline. You've you've dropped a lot on my lap, and I feel like we've gotten really far away from uh, fitness know, programs. But that's this why is, I call uh, that's why I call them side quests, Laura. I know that's like a stupid like internetism right now that's overused, but I feel like this is a very <laughs> adequate situation. No, I mean this is we promise deep dive, and we are diving deep. I'm yes, I'm quite dumbfounded. Yeah. Me too. And I think we should move on before we get even more confused. Yeah. So do we want to talk about her chiseled and called podcast episode where she broke her silence? Because I took some notes on I it. I do, because that's the first thing that I listened to. And I got to say, it made me feel very discouraged to do this podcast, which I believe was the intention behind the broken silence. Mm -hmm. Um the main points that I want to bring up are that the podcast is framed as that it will be the authority on what happened that, Oh, people will condemn you without hearing both sides of the story. Um, which I would argue that there are a lot more than both sides because there's Brittany Dawn's side. And then there is the side of the state of Texas and the attorney general of Texas. And then the side of each of the individual people that uh, were harmed um, yep. I, I went from being like, yeah, I'm sure that did take some bravery to sit down and talk about it. I think if something, if I went through a similar experience, I imagine disappearing to the woods. Um, I, she doesn't 
she doesn't address any of this. And it's all under the guise of candor. It's all under the guise of, let me lay this out on the table. She frames this as, oh, I I bit off more than I could chew, she says multiple times. Mm -hmm. And this this Mm -hmm. podcast is truly only about the lawsuit and the fitness business. So, you know, we can refocus there. But she reframes it as, I was... I was young, I was naive, I was just a little girl, I had no idea what I was doing, and I bit off more than I could chew, and I got overwhelmed, I let a lot of things fall through the cracks, and I, you know, people, some people, she says 2% at one point, which I was like, I'd love to hear a number about that, like, I feel like that would deeply affect my opinion, um, 2% of people had a problem, didn't get the fitness plan sent to their email. Um, And that's about it. And she just kind of talks in circles, apologizing for that. Not once does she mention what I view as the main complaint, which is that the fitness programs were cookie cutter when they were intended to, when they were sold as individual with personalized assistance. And it was, she did never well, addresses that. And I think that. the picture she's trying to paint is that for the most part, she did provide the individualized programs and that it got to a point where she became overwhelmed and some clients slipped through the cracks. And so then, you know, things kind of broke down and a few people got an inadequate product or service that I think that's how she was trying to frame it, that it was this kind of like build up to a breakdown where a minority of people got hurt, but most of her customers were happy and satisfied and got what they asked for. When really, I think most of her customers were like, eh, it's $100. Like, I, I won't buy it. Like, this was stupid. I won't buy it again. But like, I, like most people probably wouldn't necessarily go through the hoops to ask for a refund on something that was, you know, they signed a contract it like agreeing that it was non-refundable and they're like, it's a hundred bucks, whatever. Well, also, that's what I think most people Here's did. the thing that's unacknowledged, which is how the fitness industry runs 95% of its business is that it's really fucking yes. hard to follow along with a strict fitness plan for a month. And so if yes. after maybe that week or two of good motivation, you're not receiving the support you were promised Maybe you've already fallen off and you're not going to reach you've, out. You've already given up. You're feeling bad because you were you don't have any support for how to implement this in your life. And you're feeling embarrassed and you don't want to reach out. It's, it's similar to how gyms would not be able to function if all of their members actually showed up to work out every week. The place would be overrun. Like they bank on a huge percentage of memberships just like not being used. Yep. And big investment up <laughs> and front. So it's a similar type of concept. And then yeah. people just peter out. And like she talks about how how passionate she was about the aesthetics that she was very passionate about helping women achieve the aesthetic that they wanted and how important that was to her and yes. like then she talks about she was getting women results like you know, quote unquote results, you know what podcast you're listening to put big, big, big asterisks around all of this. But she talks about, oh, I got my results. And then I wanted to share those results with other people. And then 
Jordan pops like pipes up to be like, well, and that's like, if people don't do what you say, then you can't even guarantee them results. Like if that's just the people who like followed along and said they did what they were doing and you don't know how many people are lying to you. And it's like, (sighs) yes. And so, so that's like, that's the other thing here. So we'll, we'll get back to some stuff about the podcast, but I love that you brought this up because one thing that just has not been talked about in this whole conversation is that it's not just that she like the problem isn't just that she didn't deliver on what was promised. The other part of this problem is that what she was promising in itself was harmful. Like even if she had delivered the service that people paid for, it's still a bad service that should not have been offered in the first place. You already mentioned one thing that she's not a qualified fitness professional. So she should not have been offering people macros plans in the first place. Nutrition. Um, just for one, clarity. Or yeah. Yeah. Nutrition, like macros plans. That was her version of a nutrition plan. Um, the other thing that she absolutely like, should not have been doing um, was like leaning into the eating disorder warrior thing and like targeting the eating disorder community because she comes from a background of bodybuilding. The reason why her whole brand was so enticing to people who have struggled with eating disorders is because she brands herself as an example of someone who recovered into a thin body as someone who recovered successfully, who has a good relationship with food and her body and body image and is skinny and hot. And so people who are in a very vulnerable place where they are struggling with, uh, where they are struggling with their body image, where they are struggling with disordered eating All that anyone wants in that situation or, you know, a lot of people who are dealing with eating disorders, what they want is to be able to recover into a body that is their ideal of what a body should look like. And Brittany Dawn is that and like represents that for so many people. It's also worth pointing out that in the podcast, the only thing she says, and again, this is what I heard first before I started going deeper. She says Mm -hmm. kind of out of the blue. If you're a new person listening to this podcast and you're going to this for information about this, she says, I made people sign something that said that they didn't have an eating disorder when we started. I made them like certify that they were not suffering from an eating disorder um, and that like this wasn't for them if they were. But then and that was supposed to be her due diligence. Yes. Which is like so. (laughs) absolutely bonkers first of all like my my tinfoil hat woo woo idea is like if you're selling anything based on weight loss you're defrauding people because you can't promise that um yeah if you're selling anything with transformation photos like you're you're not being transparent about your product but we'll leave you know we'll leave that argument for another Mm -hmm. time but the the idea that you would market something for the purpose of extreme weight loss and body change and then be like, hey, sign here so I know you don't have an eating disorder. As if, first of all, if someone had was dealing with something that they were aware of, that they would like that that would stop them in any way or that that would like. Yeah. And then second of all, that it's such a loophole. 
Yeah, but it also doesn't sound like anything that would ever legally protect you. Like, I've never heard of anything like that. No, it's, no, it's, definitely not. It's bullshit. Also, like, through this whole thing, um, per her lawyers, she's like, and, and like, you know, just like her statement on the case, like, she's trying to say, like, I did not target women with eating disorders. Like, I was not trying to sell them programs. But some screenshots that I found in this like Reddit from her, um, from her Facebook account. Like these are screenshots of like Facebook message, like posts that she has made. This is where I um, wanted to go next. One of them and it's says, already curdling my blood. Oh, I no, no, no. Yeah. I'm, I'm, Do you want to read them? I'm just vamping while we were waiting for them to load. i please go. Okay. I was just excited. So one going. of them says, <laughs> Yeah. One of them says, when one of your clients sits you down to tell you that she's slipping into an eating disorder, anorexia, but when I introduced her to flexible dieting, I helped her change her life. You guys, it doesn't get much better than that. The next one. Most girls cry over a broken heart, and I've been sitting here crying for the past hour because I just want to help every girl that has an eating disorder. This passion to restore brokenness in the fitness industry has completely consumed my heart. Hashtag ED soldier. And the last one here, my heart is so heavy. I just wish I could help every girl out there with an eating disorder. I can't explain it. All I want to do is continue to be a light to such a dark place in the world. Hashtag ED soldier. Which, like, I believe that she sincerely did want to help people. The issue is she is not trained in nutrition or eating disorder treatment. So she believes that the panacea to eating disorders and the thing that will save people with eating disorders is flexible dieting, which if you don't know what that is, this is something that was really popular at the time, partially because of Brittany Dawn Fitness. Um, and it was also sometimes called if it fits your macros or IIFYM. And it basically it comes from the bodybuilding world that's like it doesn't matter basically like how nutrient dense the food you eat is or what it is that you eat. Like you can eat whatever individual foods you want as long as the proportions of them add up to the macros that will make your body composition change in the way that you want it to. So she is training and coaching and giving nutrition plans to all these people that are just completely based off of bodybuilding practices and acting as if that is safe, reasonable, or appropriate at all for someone who just wants to be healthy, just wants to get stronger, is trying to heal from an eating disorder. And like, even if someone was coming to her who like wants to lose weight, like personally, I don't think it's ethical to put everyday people on bodybuilding plans. I don't think bodybuilding is a good thing to engage in in general, but if you're going to actually compete in the sport and decide to practice those like extreme workouts and, and like flexible dieting, just because it's flexible doesn't mean that it's not extreme. Um, if you're going to choose to be in that world, you're doing it with an understanding that it's not necessarily about health or even fitness. It is only about aesthetics. And she's constantly conflating those things, talking about like, I never used to be very fit until I lost weight, even though I was an athlete and I exercised all through my childhood and teenage years. Like it constantly conflating fitness, aesthetics and health and just that going completely uncritiqued and uncriticized. Like, yeah, here we are to critique and criticize that. Like that was the underlying issue and here. Lots of like trainers don't provide the things that they say they will. Lots of coaches, you know, aren't good coaches. The real issue is that what she was providing, not even just what she was, but what she was providing was bad 
and harmful and bad. To be very clear, if you're <laughs> a fitness professional and someone comes to you and divulges looking coming to you to seek help for an active eating disorder, you need to get them to their medical team and their mental health care team to like yes. eating disorder resources are not great. That's another story for another time, but you are not the person that is qualified to help them. And especially most eating disorder recovery involves taking time off from fitness. The, even if you yes. were like, I'm, I can coach, even if like you were, you are operating under the delusion that you are capable of helping someone through the mental health healing process of that, the, the first thing is stop doing fitness. It is not launch like that protocol, yes. even as bad and harmful as that protocol would be the, the last thing on that protocol would be launch a new fitness program. That's exactly bad, bad, bad behavior. And especially like, so not only was that poorly handled to the extent of we can assume causing great harm, at least as it's mm -hmm. alleged by the state of Texas, um, you are also actively marketing to that population to bring those people into your circle. So it's not only poorly handling a problem yeah. that's landing on your doorstep, it's contributing to the problem by what you're putting out on social media, but that's not a, you know, a criminal offense now or a civil offense now, whatever. But also like, you are that's 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 predatory behavior trying to bring those people yes. into your circle so you can be the one that helps them like you are actively marketing towards people going through a mental health crisis it's it's not great and Brittany dawn is not the only one who has ever do done this like correct i'm not going to name names but i can think of at least two like fairly well-known online like fitness personalities who often talk about things like eating disorders and um you know related topics but then their main shtick is weight loss and so it's the same type of predatory behavior and where you are leading people to believe that they if they just do the right things then they can both heal from their eating disorder and lose weight to have the body that they want. And that is true for a very small proportion of people. Like yeah. most people do not recover into what they would consider to be an ideal body. It, and so holding that up as like what the end goal should be is so dangerous because it prevents people from actually recovering. And it's the internet thing where you're speaking the language of healing you're speaking the language of yeah. a certain population to ingratiate yourself to that population to promise them things you can't deliver on and i think that's why people yes. are skeptical of now her ministry of faith because this is a pattern of behavior but it's a it's a safer grift for her if it is a grift if it's not genuine it is a like legally safer place for her to work because there's no way to prove or disprove <laughs> whether the people you're helping are actually like receiving this like spiritual and like afterlife benefits that you claim that they're going to like in fitness, like you can, you can prove the harm that exists. Yeah, it's too, you can't do that. It's with too bad. We don't religion. get Yelp reviews from the afterlife. That would be really helpful in this context. <laughs> Um, but I mean, regardless of her intentions or, and whether, like how genuine they are or not, it does seem that people genuinely like her, um, like Christian influencer content and it, 
you know, that's not the debate that we are having today. Um, but I do want to just go back. I do want to just go back to her podcast episode though, because let's do it. I, I, I know people are going to listen to it and I want to point out some of the red flags that I heard Mm -hmm. that might be subtle for people who don't know as much about her history or don't know as much about like the fitness industry. Mm -hmm. So um, did you have anything you wanted to say first? I was just going to say that the, she has a long history of blocking people, deleting comments, whatever, which I personally think like should be anyone's right. Like no one's entitled to doing whatever they want on the internet, whatever. Uh, Meaning like, Mm -hmm. you know, if people go and leave hateful comments on your page, like you shouldn't be in beholden to leave those up in the name of public discourse. Like who cares, you know, protect yourself, whatever. But I do think it's interesting that on her TikTok. Uh, which I was on, <laughs> which I've been on, um, there are n- almost zero negative comments, uh, which to me is indicative mm-hmm. of filtering things, perhaps. Um, on her YouTube, specifically the most recent YouTube apology video, which is meant as sort of a precursor for this podcast episode, there is mm-hmm. some of the most fair and balanced and measured criticism i have ever seen in a comment section ever like the way that people try to articulate their grievance to her is so incredibly tactful and like context rich that Mm -hmm. it's baffling how anyone could it's it just i think illuminates the mental gymnastics that it takes to look at that kind of criticism and be like, I'm being bullied. For example, the first comment on the YouTube video is from a lawyer, which granted anyone on the internet can say they're a lawyer, but talking about how in the podcast, Brittany is framing this as there was never going to be a trial. I, it's, you know, not a criminal suit. Like I was never on trial, whatever. And then the lawyer is basically saying, when you settle for that much money, it's because your lawyer didn't want to go to court because they knew you would lose. Like the, yeah. like the way yeah. you've articulated <laughs> these things are really misleading. And like, I yeah. highly doubt your attorneys would counsel you to make this. And there are a lot of people in the comments going, hey, I found you through your Christianity content and I really like admire you for that and learning about this stuff. Like, I don't think you're taking accountability. You keep talking about how you were a baby and how young you were. And like you, you, I, I'm looking at one right now. It says, I appreciate the transparency, but this is not a mistake. Like people who are yes. trying so- to be fair to her and are, really levying valid criticism and people who seem to be like, it's, it is not a mob that is responding to this video in this way. Yes. 100%. Yeah. And to that comment about mistakes, that is basically like what I wanted to bring up because as you were saying, there were a lot of phrases that she like repeated a lot Mm -hmm. and the whole thing is supposed to kind of be, yeah, like an I'm taking accountability. And she keeps talking about how she made a mistake and she's very sorry for her mistake. And, you know, people make mistakes and then we have to move on and whatever. And it's not until like the last few minutes of this like hour and a half long podcast episode that she actually 
like state what the mistake was like up until um up until this point I had written my notes like what what was the mistake Brittany like what are you taking accountability for and literally the only thing that she said was the mistake was that she shouldn't have done it all herself and she should have hired a team to help her sooner and I hear that and I'm like whoa 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 Hold on. A part that I also like is when she was like, I was all on my own. It was only me. And that's why it was too much. And then she says, I actually, yeah. I did have two assistants, but they only helped me with my personal but they, they life. Were personal assistants. Yeah. It's like, are they writing your grocery list? Like what's going on? But yeah. So it's like, she, like, I also started an online kind of fitness coaching business when I was 22 years old. Okay. Very similar, like start to Brittany Dawn. I had been in a gym and then I decided to go on my own and do other things like per what she said, her origin story was in the podcast. So I'm like, okay, I relate to this. I like kind of feel your pain, whatever. Her mistake, it wasn't that she didn't hire a team because that makes it sound like she had no control over how fast her business grew. That makes it sound like she, it was just like compulsory to have to take on any and every client and every purchase, you know, that had to be a new client and she had no way to control how fast her business, that is not how it works. Most coaches have like an upper limit of how many people they are able to work with at one time. And you know how I know it's clear she doesn't think that that was a mistake, that her business growth was a mistake. It's because even then in this apology and accountability podcast, she's brags multiple times about how many clients she trained. She drops that like marketing number of like, I over the years, I had over 5,000 clients. And I'm like, that means that you were coaching hundreds that's, of people at any given time that's too many slices over the course of a few that's years enough slices that's too many it's too many slices so I'm like you are just fundamentally not owning up to what the actual issue is which yes it is that you bit off more that you could chew but it's that you chose to do that it's that you chose to grow your business beyond what you knew your capacity was because no one is capable of being the sole coach to individualized plans of hundreds of people. I mean, maybe now with AI technology, but not in 2016. And so she made the conscious decision to quote unquote, work smarter, not harder. She was listening to business advice to scale her business and grow a six figure business from whatever business coaches she was following and listening to at the time. And she thought that she could get away with giving out cookie cutter, low energy on her end plans to people and still get away with having the branding of it being individualized. She made the decision to try to get away with that and it bit her in the ass. And I know I would not have made that decision as a 22 year old. I didn't. <laughs> I didn't make that decision. And I, and I don't make as much money as her, but I'm also not getting sued by the state of Texas. I, I have no doubt that the experience of being overwhelmed, the experience of feeling like it's too much, mm -hmm. the experience of feeling like maybe virality is a little bit of a curse and it's gotten away from you. I have no doubt that that was the real experience. I have a lot. I feel a lot of, of empathy towards what it's like to 
be a small business owner and to be figuring things out as you go along, making mistakes, especially when you're in a helping industry and you want to take care of people and you're passionate about what you do. And I just see so many off ramps of like, if your business is going too fast, growing too fast, and you don't have the infrastructure for it because you keep posting these viral videos, then you stop posting on social media and you focus on the business or you change your business structure when it's a hundred clients instead of 5,000. Like, Mm-hmm. And I think that I honestly think that comes from it's funny, even now I was I think it was in one of her Instagram captions. I maybe I'll link it if I can find it again to cite it. But she was listing off the things she's passionate about. And she said, business, period, faith, yeah, period. And I'm like, that is, I think, so revealing that even in this season of life as she refers to them that business still comes before faith and that's what it's it reminds me of what we talked about with um with goop i don't even know if we released that episode that might have been the one that we nixed but how like the two podcasts that gwyneth paltrow listens to are about like billionaire business development that's like it's like wellness is not the thing that she cares about no it's wellness is the brand and money the the passion is business Exactly. And so there was something, there was a line she said in the podcast episode that really stood out to me and she included it to be a part of her tragic backstory, but it to me meant something so, so different. Um, And it really ties into, you know, listing business as one of her like core values. And I think this kind of explains why she never took the off ramps and she continued to prioritize business growth and like, like wealth gaining over um, the welfare of her clients. So she's talking about how when she was like 21 years old, she was like living with a roommate and like life was really hard and like like stuff was was tough and then like the rock bottom moment was that she got evicted from her apartment and she was like really poor for a while and was basically like couch surfing for a few months so she was essentially homeless and like at a really dark time really like not a good financial situation so sad i'm so sorry that happened to her Sounds like really oh tough. my god I- that sucks yeah Do you want to know her commentary on that, though? This is what she said about it. She said that the she said that the experience was humiliating and she would never let it happen again. So that is so interesting to me, because what she's saying is that, like, the experience of being evicted and being poor was humiliating. It was embarrassing to her. And it and sh- and then she talks about how like that experience is part of what like drove her to like start her own business and like gain all this ambition. And I'm like, "Oh, okay. So like the foundation of your desire to be a successful business owner is about avoiding the humiliation of being in poverty." And I'm like, not, I mean, not to psychoanalyze, that's exactly what I'm doing here. This is all just like my opinion and really digging into this one little thing she said. But I just think it's really revealing about kind of like the internal machinations that are driving her and like what her priorities actually are. And 
not she might not even be aware of it like that might not even be something that she's gotten to in therapy before but it's like okay I can see how if like you are in like survival mode and like one of your biggest triggers is like losing money and the idea of like losing business or having to scale down your business is a really triggering thought to you because it brings you back to this time where you felt really unsafe because you didn't have a place to live and you didn't have money. Like, yeah, that could maybe drive you to make some unethical business choices from that like like primal desire to keep yourself safe. I don't know. Like, I think it explains a lot. It doesn't excuse it. She hurt so many people. A lot of, but a like, lot of okay. people make a lot of decisions out of fear instead of yes. out of, you know, care for the people that have entrusted themselves to you in some yeah. way. And I think that's a part of why she is not able to admit or come to the conclusion that it was the size of the business, not the lack of a team that was the problem. I also think <laughs> like an interesting part of that story is that the reason she was being evicted is because she had been paying her rent money to her roommate who was not putting the money towards rent. So she was giving that's true. her yes, money. I forgot about she that. She was part. giving her hard earned dollars to someone who uh, did not do what they promised with them. I think that's an interesting part of that story as well. Yeah. Yeah. So there, there's a lot there. And I mean, it's clearly she has gone through a lot. I'm sure her life has been very hard. I mean, she talks very openly about the challenging things that she deals with. I just also have a, like, I'm hesitant to trust her because it's also very clear from what has come to light that she has that she is a business owner, she is a personal brand, and she is very good at branding and using the things that happen in her personal life to drive her business and brand forward. And um, that's not necessarily a bad thing. But in this case, a lot of people have been harmed in the process because she was unqualified and um, seemed to not care enough about the welfare of her clients or wasn't able to even see that she was harming them. Um, and it's really unfortunate and it sucks. Yeah. I mean, I think I'm comfortable saying like, don't trust her. You know what I mean? And that doesn't mean yeah. that you have to pass judgment on her character, but in exactly. terms of like what trusting someone you only know from their curated internet presence means like, we we live in an attention economy like taking you know putting like i mean i'm like oh my god i've completely you know every time we record on these i'm like i've ruined my algorithm again i didn't want to look at these people <laughs> and now i've streamed all their videos but you know what i mean like i don't think not trusting uh, someone comes at great personal expense to them i think that people who yeah uh, wield their platforms rather recklessly like I and who insist on remaining internet famous at all costs that's also a yeah, red I'm flag like, you to me get like a different I don't know job. like you could work as exactly. a personal trainer at a big box gym the reason that yeah fitness businesses are difficult to scale is because that's too much for one person you cannot train people yeah it's on on mass that it way. just is hard to it's hard to do it in an ethical way um we know that for a fact it's not impossible yeah. it's just it's hard um and also like 
you don't like no one has to be an influencer. No one has to be famous on TikTok. Like just because you have a platform doesn't mean you need to keep perpetuating it. And like it's just the fact that she keeps like utilizing the tragedies of her life and like complaining about the haters and complaining about being canceled while she continues to have the opportunity to just disengage. She didn't have to post at all during the time that the lawsuit was happening. She could have done other things. And I don't know. It just, it rubs me, it rubs me the wrong way when someone just, yeah, who claims to be trying to build brands and businesses that center helping people when it's clear that really what they're centering is their own fame and attention. Yeah. I mean, I I won't get into my whole cancel culture rant here, but like real cancel culture does not affect people who can get back on the internet after their vacation and be like, this is why I disappeared. I was canceled. Yeah. Like this social media cleanse has been so transformative. Like, Okay, girl, good for you. Yeah, it's really hard to be cyberbullied. <laughs> I don't want to undermine like the effects that a, a disproportionate backlash from people who are waiting for one central figure who represents a much greater problem. Like people are waiting to take down those figures because we have a lot of pent up rage and nowhere to put it. I don't want to undermine the effect mm-hmm. that being the victim of a campaign like that can have on someone. Absolutely. But in terms of it's real horrible. life harm that happened to you, you can turn off your computer. You can, you still have an income. You are, you know, no, you shouldn't be getting death threats or being doxxed. And that, that is real personal harm. But like people not liking you on the internet is not a real personal harm. And I think the bigger your platform becomes, we've seen it time and time again, that it becomes different. It becomes more difficult to differentiate that. And that's something like, yeah. You know, it's got to be a dehumanizing experience to have a platform that large. I think when you are still Mm -hmm. selling yourself as, oh, I'm going to be everyone's best friend and I'm going to be there for you. I'm going to be right by your side. You can't do that to the entire world. You can't do that to a platform of 1.3 million people. That's not that's just not possible. Um, And I think, you know, as people who consume Internet content, maybe we just have to be a little bit a little bit more wary of uh, who our besties are. Yeah. Yeah. Just, I I mean, that's a lesson that we give all the time is basically just like keep your parasocial relationships in check and just uh, like stay smart. A little self audit. Yeah. Like, are you caring a little bit too much about someone that you don't actually know and whose like literal job that makes them money is to, like be your friend on the internet that you don't actually know. It's, it's tricky. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And also if you're following someone who you're like, what's this now? You can just unfollow them too. Also. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And um, yeah, I think that's it. I thought I had something else to say, but it's, it's been exhausting. And if your personal trainer starts giving you mental health or nutrition coaching run, <laughs> Yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. If if it's, if, if it starts to feel more like therapy than just like venting to a friend and like getting, getting advice from a friend, which half of that advice is talk to your therapist about this. That's probably not good. (laughs) Yeah. So Carolyn, what I'm intrigued to hear, because I think we're going to touch on this a little more on Patreon later. Um, Mm -hmm. But in terms of, you know, zooming out this lawsuit in texas that's kind of the first of its kind that we've seen in 
seems like it runs the risk of setting a precedent. Um, Mm -hmm. What do you think this means for like the online fitness coaching industry at large? What do you think this means for influencers who communicate a product directly with their fans, for lack of a better word? That's a really good question that honestly, like I kind of was asking myself that question too, but just didn't have enough room in my brain with all of the other (laughs) research to really consider an answer. Um, It's, I don't know. It's like, it's really hard to say. I mean, I think something that we've talked about a lot is that the fitness industry would do well with more like actual regulation that, you know, in order to sell a fitness service that you should be certified in some way or another or have some level of education. Um, But I think getting to a point where that is streamlined across the board is going to be a long process because all these certifying bodies are just, you know, individual businesses. There's no, uh, there's no governing body of the fitness industry right now. It's not, it's not like medicine or nutrition in that way. So, you know, I, I hope that this does lead to more accountability. I hope it scares some of the worst actors out there who really Mm. know that they are providing something that harms people. Um, and that they'll stop doing that for fear of prosecution. But I don't know. It's hard to say. What about you? Uh, I mean, my cynical take is that I, well, maybe it's not a cynical take. I don't know. Do you think this is more cynical or hopeful? But I think some of the worst actors there out there really don't think they're harming people. They go, wee, this is easy. I love being in fitness. I show people how to do uh, flutter kicks and then I tell them not to eat too much and and it's great and people love it and people come to me and ask me questions all the time and I I get to tell them that they can tone their arms in a week. You know what I mean? Like I mm-hmm. I have to think to get on with my life that the people who are, you know, committing what I view as atrocities and the rest of the world probably views as like slightly <laughs> annoying misjudgments, um, that that comes from a place of naivete as Brittany Dawn would claim like I have to I have to think that or I'll bash my head into the wall yeah um yeah I think no and I think that's true I do think that we are hopefully coming to a place where consumers we all realize that we're on social media as consumers um and that we can recognize kind of the business behind it more I think people who don't interface with like the influencer marketing world recognize like, Oh, being an influencer is a job. I might think it's a stupid job, but I recognize that like that's a person running a business, you know? And Mm -hmm. I think it's, it's definitely messy when your brandified personal life crosses over with your business and your brand. It's, It's definitely been, um, it's something I think about a lot as a person who is running both a personal brand and a business. And it's, it's something that I think like 
we'll continue to have a lot of questions about going forward because this isn't slowing down or stopping. More people are turning to online business structures. More people are turning to coaching as a career. Um, And that's exactly what I was going to say. Like, I think the only like definite out, like good outcome that has come from this lawsuit is that Brittany Dawn Fitness had to shut down (laughs) as a business and people stopped being harmed by that particular company um and that like she wasn't able to continue to grow her business in a way that harmed even more people over time but will that translate to less harm being done by other bad actors whether they know they're bad actors or not hard to say yeah but she was hurting a lot of people so (laughs) yeah five thousand she's very proud of that number no i'm very and again this is the the shadows of the Tracy Anderson episode and the flack we got for that. Like <laughs> it is also entirely possible to have a good experience with the product of someone mm-hmm. who is contributing harm to other people. It is possible that lots sure. of people really, really felt better after going through the Britney Dom fitness program, who experienced yeah. who got what they were looking for, who got great, you know, made great physical gains, made great self-confidence gains and had a great time with her and, you know, reflect on that fondly. So uh, people are complicated from anyone. (laughs) If someone did her, did her workouts or did her macros plan and liked the results, like that's cool. Like, I'm glad that you weren't harmed. Yeah. (laughs) Um, it's just the, yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's mostly the eating disorder stuff, which is why that's what we talked about so much. And it's just, Um, that was such the obvious thing. It's just very, very rare that people are fully monsters and it's very, very rare that people are fully heroes. And when you shroud yourself in this sort of, moral uh impenetrable fortress um yeah and this episode was not to judge whether or not Brittany Dawn is a good or a bad person I hope no one came away from the conversation with that we're we're simply talking about the truth and ramifications of the things that she has done as a business person and the effects that that has had in the industry that we also work in. So, yeah. And I do think it's an interesting case study to see how much more difficult it becomes to talk about someone as a complicated figure when they shroud themselves in my business now is I'm a good person. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Oh, for sure. All right. Well, I think that just about does it. I don't think I have anything else that I need to say no. um, on this topic. My brain is pleasantly boy, sanded it- down. <laughs> Oh my God. What a way to come back. It feels so good to have this done. It also feels good to get back into the podcasting game. I feel like we we both felt a little bumpy at the start, but we got right back into our groove. Yeah, I miss chit-chatting with y'all and especially you, Carolyn. Oh, especially you, Laura. (laughs) Well, thank you for listening, everybody. We hope you enjoyed this. You know, starting off with a bang with a long one, just like just like our style. Um, I never know if enjoyed is the right word, but I hope I hope maybe if you took this whole long ass thing on a walk with you, I hope it was a good walk. Yes. Great, great way to put it. Um, Well, please consider uh, joining the Patreon if you want to support the show and get access to extra content. That is patreon.com slash fit literate pod. We also definitely appreciate 
positive reviews, um, five star reviews, and um, you can also follow us on Instagram. You sure can. You sure can. And we love yeah. to hear what you think about the episodes. Um, we do. If it's if it's good, we love when you post about it to your friends and let us know where you're tuning in from. If it's bad, we actually only take bad reviews in the form of you can leave a five-star review on podcasts and then you can know, let us know however uh, much crit- criticism <laughs> you have or if you want to call us maybe something nasty, like please do that. Um, we will, yes, that will come yes. to our attention, but only if there are five stars attached to it. So. <laughs> Love it. Love it. Setting boundaries. Um, and also, oh, if you just have like stories or things that you want to share that require a little bit more space than just like an Instagram comment, um, we do not check our DMs very reliably, but we do check our email inbox. So instead of DMing us on Instagram, please email us at G at gmail.com if you have things you want us to read. Yes, <laughs> correct. Any and like topic requests. I think we're overdue for a mailbag episode sometime too. So that look out for that on Patreon, maybe. I think so. Yeah. Yeah, that would be fun. Yeah. That would be fun. All right. Well, thank you for listening, everybody. We love you so, so much. And we hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. We'll talk to you later. Bye.